being dedicated, so you, may, you may want to be here for that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and uh, also, on April 30 and May 1st, uh, you should see it on the screen, uh, there will be a uh, leadership weekend that is absolutely free. Pastor Dave Ferguson from Southern Adventist University will be here, and he and I will be presenting a leadership for everyone called Bumper Cars, Treadmills, Freight Trains, and Sailboats, and we're hoping that at least the title will make you intrigued and say, what on earth is that about? I got to be there. So we'd love for you to be there. It's free. It'll be Friday night from 7 to 8.30, and then Saturday afternoon from 3.30 to 5.30. There'll be some snacks and things like that. It's much less scale than we did in the past because it's just going to be for our church members and our honored guests and, and anybody that you'd like to invite. Uh, and, um, and then that morning, Sabbath morning, David Ferguson will be preaching uh, for us uh, in church. So I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to. Are you guys ready to continue with our uh, series on Forever Encounters? Amen. All right, well, let's, let's stand up and worship together as we sing. We are so glad you're all here to join us. Those of you online, if you want to stand too, we're going to sing, we're going to praise God.
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your my confidence you've never failed me I never will 
Music while I set up the house. I didn't expect company. Okay, I think I got it. This morning, my dog and I went for a walk. A time for me to talk with Jesus. And I love those times. But I believe that maybe some of you have experienced, I know that Sergio has, Larissa has, as a pastor... The enemy doesn't give up. And even when we walked this morning in the beautiful sunshine and the fresh air, the spiritual battle was there. I'm glad to say Jesus got the victory. I'm glad to say that somehow God provided that first song just for me. He hasn't neglected me. He hasn't failed me. He's always been there for me. And I know that he is with us now. I feel his presence. God is in his house. And we as his children should have joy and comfort in being in his presence because that's what Sabbath morning is all about. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are, for your guidance in our lives. I thank you for helping me on this journey. May my words be your words. We have worked on this together, but now I give it all to you. And may this morning be what you want to be said to your children. I thank you again for your presence. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for what you provide for us just to be able to meet here and be with you. In your loving son's name I pray. Amen.
Go back with me if you would. Oh, not just a few years, quite a few years. My son, the oldest, Joshua, is not yet one years old yet. Becky and I had an opportunity to fly over to Seattle. Some friends gave us this little trip. My MS was acting up, and they just felt that we needed to get a reprieve and be with Becky's family, with her mother, sister, and her husband. As we got over there, we enjoyed the time that we spent with them. But then all of a sudden, Joshua started getting sick. Now here again, too, he's not even one. He can't even communicate to me. And as his day progressed, it got worse. And we took his temperatures, 100, 101, 102. 103, 104, 105. Faith, being a nurse, knew that this is not good at all for this little guy. We need to get the temperature down. It was cold weather. What do we do? We came to the decision to put him in a tub. I call it cold water. Becky calls it tap water. And it was cold to me. But I tell you, I'm sure maybe you parents have experienced this as well. When we placed our son in that water, he wasn't a happy camper. And he cried. And he cried. And he cried. Yes, he couldn't talk to me, but what he could do was raise his arms to daddy. If he could have spoke, please, daddy, get me out of here. And what does daddy do? Pushes him back down into the water. Becky and I felt helpless. We were beside ourselves to be able to know what was going on with him, but also, too, to get this temperature down. But we agonized. I look back on it now, and I thought what I should have done was just got in the tub with him and held the little guy to reassure him, Daddy is here. All he saw from me was my hands pushing him back into the water. What kind of a picture did I give my son? I'm sure each one of you may have run across some experiences in your life where you've had to make some tough decisions. And you felt helpless and you didn't know what to do. We're going to, this morning, we're going to talk about a man named Jairus, who he himself felt helpless and didn't know what to do. Last week, Pastor Sergio shared with us his testimony. What a story. We are blessed to have Sergio and Nancy here as our pastoral couple. I appreciate, I love him. 
for what he gives to me, but what he gives to this church. They have trials just like the rest of us. But boy, he loves this church. But I know that we have to be able to look at what we are talking about with forever encounters. Last time I spoke, I shared this picture with you. I shared this picture with you on how Darren Stout and myself, we love this picture. Because if you ask me, that is a forever encounter. Holding our daddy's hand, God himself, Jesus Christ, taking his hand is a forever encounter. But fortunately in the scriptures, we are blessed to be able to have many, many encounters that we can read in here about individuals who have experienced through crisis, through trouble, through pain, through hardships, whatever it may be, God has been there. Like I said, we're going to talk about Jairus. But it's interesting in his story that his story are just bookends to another story. Because you know, when Jesus walked on the road, multiple people wanted to see him. Multiple people wanted to be healed by him. And from what I can account, he has never said no. That's the kind of God, that's the kind of Savior that we worship. So I want us to look at Mark 5. We're going to start with verse 21. And in that, it's going to read, I'm reading from the New Century Version. And it reads, when Jesus went in the boat back to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him there. It seems no matter where Jesus went, he drew a crowd. In fact, sometimes he wanted to get in the boat to get away from the crowd, go to the other side, and guess what happened? There was another crowd waiting for him. People were drawn to Jesus. Are you drawn to Jesus? Are you part of that crowd who longs to be in his presence every day? To hear his words? To feel his touch? To be uplifted, motivated? They gathered around him, 22, a leader of the synagogue named Jairus came there, saw Jesus, and fell at his feet. I'm afraid if I were to fall down here to present that picture, I would never get back up. So picture in your mind this man, this father, who falls at the feet of Jesus. Now this, this just wasn't any ordinary man. Jairus was a leader of the synagogue. In the days of Christ, the leader of the synagogue was the most important man in the community. The synagogue was the center of religion, education, leadership, and social activity. It was a hub for people to gather. 
the leader of the synagogue with the senior religious leader, the highest ranking professor, the mayor, and the best known citizen in the town. Boy, people knew Jairus. They respected him. But his actions on falling down at the feet of Jesus were not approved by the Pharisees or the Jewish leaders. What in the world is he doing? He should know better. Have you ever found yourself falling at the feet of Jesus? Pleading to him? I know I pleaded to him when I had my son in the tub. I wasn't laying down, but I was on my knees, and boy, did I ask for his help. Verse 23, he begged Jesus, saying again and again, my daughter is dying. This is serious, folks. My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and will live. How would you have responded to someone coming to you and sharing that with you? Or how would you have responded to Jesus if it was your child who was dying? And you felt helpless. You couldn't do nothing. What would you do? Jairus was very well respected. He had an image that he had to live up to. But at this point, the image went out the window. I will do whatever is necessary for me to do to have Jesus come to my daughter. If I have to lie prostrate on the ground, I will do it. Have you ever felt that way? That the pain, the suffering, the tragedy, whatever it may be, brings you to the point of the extreme of, Lord, I can't do it. And God is saying, I know. We have no idea the stories behind Jairus. We have no idea the stories behind a lot of people who come to Jesus to be healed. I wish we did. I wish we had the rest of the story. Because these people who come to him just isn't a matter of fact of maybe or I wish or I hope he can do something for her. Daughter is dying. Please come. Jesus, Jesus, please come. Please come. Please come. And put your hands on her so that she will be healed and will live. He may have seen it somewhere before in Jesus' ministry where he has healed people. He's reflecting on that moment when he saw someone raise up who was ill, raised up from the dead. He may have seen it before, so therefore he pulls from that and he calls Jesus to come. 
I love his boldness in a sense. Even though the tragedy of his daughter dying, he still came forward with the authority of who Jesus was, the creator, the life giver, the healer. And he spoke to him and said, come. There's other individuals in the scriptures, Matthew 8, 1 to 3, it's not on the screen. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came, knelt before him and said, now get this, get this, this is a leper. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Do you see it? Do you see the attitude that the leper had? He had an understanding of who Jesus was. He knew the authority of Jesus. He knew his ability to be able to make him clean. He knew the relationship that he had somewhere with Jesus. And of course, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, Be clean, with no hesitation at all. Farther in, Matthew 8, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. A centurion of all people. Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? I mean, Jesus is always the one that says, I'm available. I am here. What is it that you want me to do? He didn't even get an invite. He just heard about the servant who was paralyzed. But the, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. So the centurion knows what it is to have authority. He knows what it is for people to follow what he has commanded them to do. But he sees this in Christ. When Jesus heard this he was amazed and said to the fellow people around him. Truly I tell you. Truly I tell you. Whoever is hearing my voice, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Jarius, the leper, the centurion, somewhere in their life, they knew Jesus. We can't come to Jesus if we don't know him. We have to have the relationship and understanding of he is just not a Santa Claus that we come to and he provides to us. It's the relationship that is crucial. Then Jesus said to the insurance, go, let it be done just as you believe, just as you, centurion, believe that it would and his servant was healed at that moment. Man. I wish Jesus was here on this earth today walking amongst us because we need a lot of healing. But wait a minute. Does he have to walk on this earth in order to provide that? No. He uses us. 
He uses us as vessels that he can work through. Let's go back to verse 23 when Jariah says, My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her and she will be healed and live. He doesn't even hesitate. Jesus went with him. He didn't ask him questions. How far do you live? What all is involved? Give me the whole story. He just went with the Father. As they were walking, and here's the bookends. Here's the bookends. Because when Jesus walked, there always seems to be a crowd. A large crowd followed him, pushed very close to him. Verse 25, among them was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. I can't fathom what she must have gone through. She has suffered very much, 26, she had suffered very much from the many doctors and had spent all the money she had, but instead of improving, she was getting worse. I love this woman. 27, when the woman heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his coat. She came up behind him. Did you get that? Behind Jesus and just touched his coat. She thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed from the disease. Could you imagine what that must have looked like? Could you imagine what that must have been experienced for her to 12 years of bleeding and touching his coat and all of a sudden the power from Christ came into her and she was healed. She was a new child of God. Just by the touch of the coat of Jesus. But Jesus knows all, doesn't he? He knows everything. 30 at once, Jesus felt power go out from him. So he turned around in the crowd. And, Who touched my clothes? <laughs> Let's just say there's 30 or 40. Who touched my clothes? His followers said, look how many people are pushing against you and you ask and you ask who touched me 32 but Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched him the woman knowing that she was healed came fell at Jesus's feet once again she came down to the Savior shaking with fear she told him the whole truth did she need to be fearful Sometimes we come to Christ fearful, knowing that we don't always make the best decisions. We don't always do the right things. We do things that are contrary to what he wants. So in a time of need, if he provides, I still have that black cloud over me. And sometimes I don't choose to come to Jesus out of fear. But she made it clean. She made a whole thing there that speaks to her, Jesus said to her, dear woman, 
You are made well because you believed. Here again, too, the centurion believed. She believed. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. Oh, man. But then again, too, Jarius was present, wasn't he? The father who was lost of knowing what to do for his daughter, was present at that forever encounter with this woman and saw what Christ did. And I can't help but feel that that father felt, oh, yes, yes, yes. If he could do it for her, if he can do it for her, he can do it for my daughter. This was trying for him. He was in agony, as any parent sitting here would be. But in life, it sometimes takes a turn. While Jesus was still speaking, verse 35, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader. They said, Your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. How would you have responded to that? Put yourself in Jarius' shoes. How would you have responded if someone told you that your daughter, your son is dead? The world would collapse around us. I know for me, we have a tendency to react and respond, but first thing we do is we react. Because we're sinners, we're humans, we're self-centered. When crises arise, whether it be a, a death of a child, cancer, the loss of a job, financial problems, your house has been burned down, It is devastating. Devastating. And at that point, it's critical for us to determine what do we do. But I know for the story, I can only picture in my mind for this father to stand there and hear those words that your daughter is dead. I can't help but feel that he felt like the rug was pulled out from under him. And he collapsed right there. Right there. Now Jesus, you got a picture in his mind, because see, Jesus has a perspective that sometimes it's difficult for us to see. See? 